Welcome to Packet Pushers Heavy Networking. Now, service and assurance are two words that sound meaningful when you put together until you actually start to define the idea of service assurance. And it's roughly equivalent to a debate on the right color scheme for the cables. Everybody's got an opinion, but no one's got a right answer because it's not one thing. Service assurance is kind of like the idea of software defined. It started out as something specific and then it grew into a whole group of stuff. We, it's, it's kind of this idea that we now that we have software defined handling all the deployment and operations of the network, it's become clear that we can really reach a true goal, namely a ways to monitor the guarantees or the SLAs of the network connectivity and performance. And this is key to an idea of closed loop automation. Now, closed loop automation very simply is this idea that I can configure the network, deploy the network, and then I can test the network. So I can close the automation loop. One part of the loop is, is open-ended. I do the deployment, the configuration. What I want to know is, did the network actually do what I thought it was going to do. And that needs active assurance or active testing. So in today's sponsored show with Juniper Networks, we are diving into the service assurance portfolio that they are bringing out to service providers and enterprises. This portfolio is new, a new naming. It comes off the Paragon Automation Portfolio, which is the overarching name. You have Paragon Active Assurance, which is through the acquisition of NetRounds, which is a suite of products doing active testing. There's a partnership with Anuda Networks and their Atom product, which we've had on the show many times. Paragon Planner, which was previously known as Northstar, which is path planning and operations, which is the really sophisticated MPLS provisioning tool that really gets you where you want to be for that um, device deployment, device operations. And then finally, Paragon Insights, which is what is called HealthBot today, which is that telemetry data to tell you how your device is working. So bringing that all together a lot of talking, is Peter Weinberger and Jonas Krogel. Thank you so much for being on the show and thank you for sponsoring us. Let's get started. Yeah, hey, good morning. Um, what I would like to start off with is uh, essentially the notion that uh, we're trying to uh, put together um, a solution that enables customers to, or operators to deliver a better customer experience. Customer experience means uh, you know, how does how is the uh, service delivered, um, consumed, and you know, is it at the right quality? Is is does it meet the meet the service level objectives um, set out by the service level agreement? In order to be able to master that, to have a full control over that, um, service assurance is a key set of capabilities that you need to employ. Um, traditionally, you would basically use. Um, telemetry data, be it you know, old-style telemetry or new-style telemetry, in order to gauge what is the service level that you're delivering to the customer. What we believe is that as we're going along, having a um, essentially a, a, a market where high service quality is of prime importance, mm. um, that we need to able we need to be able to start measuring, measuring what matters, so to speak. So instead of guessing about service quality, you want to be able to have empirical proof uh, how the service quality is delivered. So, Peter, one point here to make. We've been talking about service assurance, which instinctively, from an engineering perspective, you might think, oh, the service that we're doing, this is like application performance monitoring. But that's actually not what we're talking about here, is it? Because as I listen to you develop this idea, you're talking about the notion of things like SLAs. So that is, we're actually talking about the, the network itself being able to deliver whatever the application might be. 
it is about network performance in, 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 in essence, right? All the applications are riding on top of that, right? In order to be able to have my Zoom call, my, my Teams meeting, uh, or, or any other uh, kind of engagement, I need to be able to know that the service quality of the underlying network is there so that you know, I can actually uh, consume those services, be it cloud services or internal services for, for, for enterprises. So um, you want to be able to know what is the packet loss ratio? What is the latency of your of your traffic? Uh, is it true to the QoS defined in the network? So yeah. things like that. So that when you talk about telemetry and so forth, that that makes a lot of sense. There, you're pulling data out of the network infrastructure to see exactly how it's performing, and then you're able to map that back to this is the quality of experience that whatever the application might be is experiencing. Yeah, with a slight twist. I'm pulling the data from the network infrastructure, as you say, but with the topic at hand for today that we want to discuss is uh, we're also measuring. Measuring means I attach a, um, a device or virtual device to the network and I start actually measuring the network performance. That is a vastly different approach to basically acquire self-reported data from network elements that give you packet loss or that give you yep. drops on an interface. So this is the idea that we might provision a path using MPLS across some sort of uh, overlay, underlay network. And the routing protocol, the traditional routing protocols will give me a path, but it won't tell me the quality of the path. It exactly. won't tell me the service of the path. It won't tell me if there's a brownout. It won't tell me if there's a, a loss of, that latency has exceeded some sort of bound. And we don't know. And if we I'm the know. operator of the network, we're just blind. So there's been a couple of different ways that we attack that problem as a technology. One is to use things like flow records uh, and, and equivalent data to the network. Uh, but what we're talking about here is that Juniper recently acquired a product portfolio from NetRounds, which is an active technology. So there's two types of technology underlying service assurance. One is the passive, using NetFlow or monitoring uh, data that you can get off there, you know, from SNMP yeah. and so forth. And the other way is to have an active portfolio where you use a, a range of service agents, be it physical devices or virtual things are added or uh, containers added to your device. It's a, there's a range of choices here. Um, and you can start testing, in a sense, the network and guaranteeing that the promise that you made, I'm going to give you 10 megs of bandwidth, 100 megs of bandwidth at yes. 20 millisecond late. Is that real? That That's the game. That's pretty much the game. Uh, and you know, in the simplest form, it could be a ping mesh that I set up in order to be able to measure the performance. But in a more elaborate uh, you know, setup, we would be using the, 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 the tools and tricks and, and capabilities that, that Netrons bring to the table. As an example, let's say I want to provision a new service, okay? A new customer came, came on board, they want to buy a um, layer three VPN service. Okay, I set everything up. I have my orchestration system, put down the configuration to the network elements. Mm -hmm. I have some basic, you know, uh, basic metrics that I'm, uh, that I'm monitoring, but how do I know that I can actually deliver to you mm. 800 meg of bandwidth with 10 millisecond latency end to end. Mm. How do I know that? Yeah. None of these tools will be able to give you that. So this is where we basically looked at the market, looked at the uh, you know customers, and we basically decided since we want to focus on service quality and customer experience, we need to have something in our tool set in order to basically be able to tell exactly that. What is the performance that you're getting? Um, out of a new newly provisioned service or a service that is already in flight. And it's it's interesting that 
um, this idea of service assurance is really uh, predicated on the idea of software defined. Now that we're able to do software to control the network devices, to configure the paths, to do provisioning, to do operations, to do management, to do code updates, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden there's a whole new set of things that it's possible to do because I can uh, use that software to deploy testing agents. I can yes. monitor the testing agents and get data back from them. I can uh, look at what's actually happening on the box and correlate the data sets between the two. So in a weird kind of a way, it's not very weird. It's entirely logical and progressive. <laughs> once you <laughs> once you SDN, then all of a sudden you start saying, why am I not software defining the service? And that's kind of where it is. It's the natural progression. Once you can click a button, service is configured, you go, well, now how do I measure it? Exactly. So software-defined um, service delivery now spans not only pushing configurations to the network elements, but also automating the process of actually measuring and knowing. And again, the question is, how do I know? Knowing what the service performance will be towards the customer. You know, the ultimate goal here is for the operator, we want to enable them to basically know when the service deteriorates before the customer come, uh, calls in, right? So in many networks, the customer is your probe, your test agent, right? Because when they call in and get angry, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's where you get your uh, alerts and your yes. thresholds are being crossed quite a bit just by you know, having to handle uh, an angry customer. So we want to avoid that. We want to be able to get ahead of this as opposed to be reactive. And I think the other key part about this too is uh, it comes into a much more strategic discussion around what they call closed loop automation. Uh, I think this is your area of expertise, Jonas, Um, the idea that once I deploy a service, I can actually test it to see if what I thought it was doing, it was actually doing. Yeah, yeah, and and this makes perfect sense because if you look at how software developers has been working for tens of years, they work with unit testing and automated testing of everything they develop and work on. And we want to do the same, but for networks and network provisioning to actually test that when you configure a router or a switch to deliver a certain service, the last thing you do is a unit test of does that actually carry the traffic in the way I expected it to. Mm. So it's working, but is it actually working well? It's not just enough to say, I configured a service for this customer. What you really want is to drop a probe at the end of that and actually run a test to say, uh, is, is this 100 megs worth of bandwidth? Instead of just looking yeah. at the, the conf- router configurations or the, the software controller configurations, actually validating that it is. Because what you're looking for is the exceptional condition, not the expected condition. So, so actually, testing of services is two different sets of functions. You have the functional testing, making sure that you actually have a link, that you have end-to-end connectivity with a certain MTU, because we all know that MTU issues is one of the most common <laughs> uh, configuration issues in a, in a complex network. You also want to make sure that you can reach your uh, internal websites hosting your intranet. You want to make sure that your private link to the cloud is functional. And after that, you want to do performance testing to actually measure what is your latency, what is your Jitter KPIs, how would a voice call behave if I do that across my uh, VPN service. So testing is not just about doing a ping. It's much more about testing all the different um, aspects of the service, all the properties and performance in different QS profiles. And but Jonas, this isn't a application performance monitoring approach. You're testing the infrastructure. So you're not doing synthetic transaction testing, I don't think, or are you? 
No, we are not doing transactions. We, we are doing reachability tests. So, mm-hmm. um, for example, we make sure that uh, Office 365 is reachable with uh, good response time from where you're connected to the network, because that is what the network is responsible for, to provide connectivity from where your user is located to where the services are located. Mm. While application assurance is more about interacting with a specific application, doing transactions. Can I log in? Am I getting the page back I expect? All those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. That's also important, but for different users and different. Yeah. um, If you're an enterprise, you might want to use those functionalities to test is my internal application running well? So you can point the finger at the server people instead and say it's not the network. Or more importantly, it's not DNS. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, in the case of a service provider, you might be more committed to bandwidth testing. Like, is the volume there? What is the network latency across that circuit? Is it ins- And then throw an alert if it's not inside the bounds of what you promised the customer. And you also want to, and that's closed loop because you might click on a button, zero touch provision a device. I mean, the weird part about zero touch provisioning is it's so awesome operationally, but it's also so very 2019. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> so. One of the interesting things about the idea of network orchestration, if you're using a tool like a new to Atom to actually provision a service, now keep in mind here that the service actually would span multiple vendors of devices, right? It's not an all Juniper network. You might be running traffic through firewalls. You might be running it across multiple. You've got DWDMs. You've got routers. You've got Metro Ethernet that you're trying to provision, you might actually be working inside of somebody else's carrier infrastructure. It's quite, you know, if you're doing CSC, MPLS somewhere to try and get to the third party, bringing all that together is actually quite tricky. And so when you actually put it together, you actually want to bring out a test agent, deploy it at site and validate that. And that's, that was unimaginable three years ago. Exactly. And, and, and when and if you do that, you want to have it automated as much as you can. You don't want to switch, uh, you know, switch UIs just in order to be able to set up the test agent, right? Ultimately, you want this to be flow through provisioned uh, alongside with the service in the network to, to, to provision the, 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 the probing and the testing um, for that particular service. So this is not a technology that Juniper had in its portfolio for the last, you know, if you're a Juniper customer or you've been in the industry for 20 years, you probably haven't heard Juniper doing this. So how did this technology come into Juniper's portfolio? Essentially through a survey um, of of the market and the ability, or basically our, our notion of, you know, trying to identify meaningful gaps in a portfolio that we don't have inside the company. And since we, we since we see that more and more customers come back to us that say, hey, I, I'm not running a NOC anymore. I, I want to call it a SOC, it's a service operations center. I want to focus on service quality, customer experience. So this is where we went on and said, okay, so what, what's out there in the market that can fill that gap and that you know has formidable technology so that we can plug it into our own portfolio and basically deliver a better together solution. So this is where we came up with um, the, the, you know, the Netrons, uh, idea and and mm-hmm. reached out to these folks and said, hey, do you want to talk? So I guess, Peter, uh, the, one of the questions that's on my mind here is that Juniper's automation portfolio is always fa- already fairly substantial. How does the net round acquisition round that out and what's the future direction there? Right. So um, the, the portfolio today um, covers a couple of things. Service orchestration and workflow. That's our partnership with um, 
with women who tell. You know, things like conflict compliance, you know, they do very well. Mm-hmm. We have NOSTA, which is, I think, the leading system in, 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 in terms of the self-defined WAN, um, where we are basically able to do a path computation, uh, you know, lead the traffic through the network as, um, you know, according to specific constraints like delay, path diversity, and so on and so forth. Uh, then we have the planner product, which, leads, you know, gives you the ability to plan your network and this and that and the other. Um, uh, with HealthBot, we have what we would maybe, maybe now consider something like an assurance solution that takes care of the self-reported telemetry data, mm. but it doesn't really do the active assurance. So plugging in uh, Netrons to this solution basically gives us you know, a full view at the entire service lifecycle from lighting up the service, uh, provisioning all the LSPs, attaching the service to those LSPs, monitoring the, the interfaces and the protocols, and now being able to measure the service performance end-to-end. So what you're going to see uh, you know, in terms of going forward is not only will we uh, have this portfolio now with the new kit on, on the block, uh, Netrons, to give us the active assurance, but we will also provide more and more out-of-the-box use cases uh, for in, you know, integration use cases among those products. It's very interesting because we've talked about HealthBot in previous podcasts. If you just do a search on packet pushes, you can get more of a deep dive. And HealthBot is telling me the health of the devices. But in most service provider networks, and one of the bigger features of the Anuda Atom product is its multi-vendor capability. Correct. So the value here is that the NetGrounds Paragonus Active Assurance, as it's going to be called, um, is going to be able to do the active assurance across multiple vendor products, across multiple domain expertises yeah. as well, because you've got, you might well have Juniper routers everywhere, but you'll also have DWDMs, Metro Ethernets. You might have an SD-WAN overlay running in there. You might be using third-party services, third-party MPLS networks where you're doing CSC. It's really about bringing all that together into a unified whole. So if you know, the SD-WAN service that you're selling to somebody isn't performing up to snuff. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a way to get visibility into that so you can allocate responsibility into the service angle. Indeed, indeed. Um, so, so, you know, to your, to your question or to your statement about, you know, um, that it's multi-vendor or multi, multi-area, multi-domain, well, the beauty of the, uh, you know, active assurance or Netron solution is that it's essentially an over-the-top solution. If you have IP connectivity, you can test it, okay? So whether it's um, the metro aggregation network, the core network, uh, reaching out to the cloud, peering arrangements, all sorts of things. As long as you have, have IP connectivity, you can attach a, a, a NetGrounds test agent and uh, get going with testing. I think that's, a, that's key too, because you, you mentioned cloud there, which is not something that we've talked about up until now. If you're an enterprise thinking that this is all about service provider, the same things apply to an SD-WAN network that connects to the cloud as well. So you might have half your network is legacy MPLS, half your network, which is SD-WAN, some of it, which is endpoint, people just going directly to cloud services or whatever. You can actually use the agents to monitor all of these things and bring them together the, the, the net round stuff into a single unified view. I think what you're saying, Greg, is really important that uh, today's network is having more and more domains than ever. So uh, you will have one portion that is your office network. You will have one portion that is your VPN service or MPLS service from your service provider. And you will have a cloud portion or even a multi-cloud portion 
And the more of these domains you add together into your end-to-end network, the more the risk for faults are. So the more complexity, the higher the risk for faults are. And the NetRounds approach to this is really to be transparent to how your network is built and only look at, can I reach my service from point A to point B? And with what quality can I do that? So the more complexity you add, the more important it is to do overlay assurance of that the service actually works with all of these complexities. I've got a pet theory that everything's an overlay these days, whether it's MPLS or SD-WAN or TLS, it's all overlay, right? We're already so abstracted away from the underlay that it doesn't matter. But that, that's kind of a pet, a pet theory of mine. And we generally don't monitor it because we've never been able to. So I, I think the other key part about NetRounds is the fact that it's pretty modern in the way that it works. So this is this idea that it's containerized or able to work in a microservices architecture. So, so about the overlay, I think also how modern service providers have their billion networks, they are building their own networks with multiple layers of overlay networking. One example of this would be Rakuten Mobile, that is one of the uh, Netron's customers using it for, for assuring their own overlay network. They are running several layers of networking uh, before they even connect the customers. So... They have a huge amount of complexity and a very easy way to assure that is a simple test, the connectivity within their own mm-hmm. network across these stacks. So another space where overlay networks may become very complex is Kubernetes. So you may have a, a VXLAN setup running on a redundant uh, physical infrastructure, uh, maybe having hundreds of physical nodes implementing Kubernetes clusters to test if your containers actually have the expected networking, deploying test agents as containers or sidecar services next to your production containers is also an interesting approach to test software-based overlay networks within really complex environments. And and actually, a Kubernetes overlay network is not that much different to a a large enterprise network. It's just IP connectivity (laughs) between lots of locations. (laughs) It's it's not different, and it's frightfully different all at the same time. Uh, Service meshes have seemed to cause so much consternation with the different folks. Folks thinking that they have to have it because it's the coolest thing ever, and then folks saying, you don't actually need this unless you have specific problems to solve and so on. But then when you do step back and take a look at what's going on, the fundamental nature of it uh, as as a proxy, as a provider of services, as an API in a, from a certain point of view, if you're the developer maybe, then uh, then it becomes interesting. Um, but drilling into that just for a moment, Jonas, you're saying you can actually engage with a service mesh in a Kubernetes architecture and understand that from a service assurance perspective, the infrastructure, the Kubernetes and service mesh complex infrastructure can deliver the app? Yeah, and, and what is really interesting from our perspective is that we are not even aware of that there's a Kubernetes cluster implementing this. We are just being deployed as a container in different mm. locations, and we test how the network is uh, providing the quality between these locations. So it's it's not that you're hooked into Kubernetes as such, it's that you have an endpoint that has been deployed on top of Kubernetes, perhaps, and so you're in the middle of it, and you can then monitor what's going on, and so inferentially you understand that the Kubernetes infrastructure is able to deliver or isn't. Yes, and that is also relevant when talking about 5G networking, because there you're utilizing containerization much more heavily, and and that's also an important network where you want to do uh, active assurance, Mm. much due to the overlay and the complexity with that. Yeah, I think 
that we haven't really done enough to highlight how active assurance is much is different from the traditional approach of you know capturing flows and attempting to analyze them and say is the flow operating at performance that can be fine but it's often only capturing data at a single point in the network and it can be de- dependent on the ability of the device to produce flow records right you quite often can't get flow records where you need them i think active assurance is generally better for most cases even though most people use passive service assurance or passive monitoring today mostly because they already got it and they get it for free and so they can just is that a reasonable argument yeah and and, and passive assurance answers many different questions uh, but one question it cannot answer is does the service work before you give it to the customer yeah. Tells um, you how many so, packets so doing, are going right. through the router, or yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or, or it's, it, it's that historical perspective. It's what was happening at the time that we captured this and analyzed the data, yeah. not what's happening now because of active tests that we're doing. Yeah, if there are no packets going on a port, you don't know if it's because the, the customer is has gone home for today, or if the network's actually uh, misconfigured or have an outage right. somewhere. Right, really hard to figure out passively. <laughs> I, I, I think what you want to have, uh, you know, is essentially a solution that has both aspects of it, right? First of all, you need to understand what the service quality is that you're delivering, right? We believe mm-hmm. that active measurement is is the way to be able to do that, empirically proven. But then, okay, now it's broken. How do you go about it, right? Now you need to dig into the metrics that you're measuring with your passive uh, telemetry system and then figure out, hey, where do I lose these packets? Where do we have um, a reroute um, that has occurred? Um, you know, and, and you know, that, that's where you drill down into figuring out the root cause and solving it, right? Goes back to a closed loop type of notion where you have first the, the, the network quality that you're measuring and then you drill down into the details on the network in order to be able to um, do the remediation and the root cause analysis on top. Yeah, I've been a big fan of active monitoring for 20 years, but it's never been possible uh, up to today. Is there, I think there's been a few inflection points in the market. Obviously, the software defined, this idea that it's acceptable to have software hosted in the cloud that's doing part of this. And the fact that it's accepted that you will put monitoring probes in the network or that measurement of service is actually a thing. There's a there's two things going on here. There's the technology thing, the software defined thing in inverted commas, but there's also the acceptance of customers to use microservices and to want to monitor services instead of just being happy that something works at all. Yeah. So 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 one aspect is definitely the enabler of active assurance. So it's more and more common nowadays that uh, CPE devices, routers, and switches have uh, application hosting capabilities that allows us to deploy test agents on those devices to benefit from having different locations in the network when when testing the network uh, from a software point of view. But but also the the cloud business and the virtualization trend is is also um, opening up the possibility of testing um, both, both performance and functional reachability to those services, both within different cloud platforms, but also from a customer location to where the service is actually mm. hosted. Yeah, which could be anywhere. It could be cloud, could be Azure, could be AWS, could be Google, could be something, an API of theirs that you're consuming, or it could be something that you've developed yourself. You could be monitoring you know, anything, really. You could be monitoring and then be able to also sectionalize the problem, right? You could, you know, let's say you have a delivery chain of your access network, your residential network, um, a metro network, core network, the cloud, some peering arrangement, right? If the end-to-end doesn't work, 
how do you get to figure out where your problem is? Is the problem maybe with a cloud provider, with a peering? Um, is the problem in the in the core? So you know, being able to do tests section by section gives you the ability to figure out where your actual problem is sitting. So we've got these these test agents that are that are running. We can deploy them in lots of places, including on switches themselves, if the operating system supports that sort of a model. Does that mean I've got a responder on the other end so that it's a two-headed kind of a thing? Uh, sh- sure. It might well be that, that where you have a test agent being both the client and the server, mm-hmm. and then you're uh, picking a certain protocol like a, a normal TCP or UDP session. And And since we are controlling both the client and the server in that, aspect, you're sure that you're measuring how the network transports a service. So you're not measuring a service anymore, you're measuring how the network are able to transport a controlled service end-to-end. But the test agent may also work as a client to an already existing service. Typical example would be a, a web server, where you're simply doing HTTP gets to make sure that that web server is continuously responding from where a test agent is deployed. Then we're deployed as a client to the network. Mm-hmm. And in this sense, the test agent would connect just like a normal client to the network. It could have a DSP client asking for an IP address uh, using the same DNS servers as the normal users would use. So it really tests the, the, the full uh, end-to-end availability of that service. It's not doing transactions, though. So here's, a, here's kind of a, a nerd question. Uh, there's a few different kinds of tests that we have talked about over this. Uh, one is this the ability of the network to deliver the application, whatever it is. One of those things includes capacity. Is there enough bandwidth available? Well, you're not going to be, I'm assuming, you're not going to fill the pipe to see, yep, look at that, we filled the pipe, and it, and now we know that, by golly, we can give the customer all of that bandwidth that the SLA says we're supposed to be giving them. So how do you actually validate that if you're not doing something transactional, that a transaction can complete, or that the bandwidth is available if you're not actually filling the pipe and uh, using all the bandwidth to prove your point? I think the discussion around stressing a service if you have enough bandwidth is an important one to address. It's actually very plausible and common that you would test a service for its max capacity before you give it to a customer. So mm-hmm. before you tell them that you can now connect your, your important uh, banking network or whatever it is to, to my one gigabit circuit, you actually blast a gigabit per second on it to make sure. And, and as someone that would be consuming that service as an engineer, before I turn it over to the business, I would do that stress test for my end as well. Because we don't want to do it in production, of course. Yeah. yeah. So that's something you always do before you tell the customer that the service is not ready. Right. You can use it to issue a birth certificate, proving them, proving to the customer that you have actually measured the network to a 99% availability or performance to what you have, have sold. Did you call that a birth certificate? Uh, yeah, I, oh, <laughs> so I love that. People, I've never heard that. I, I, I think that's great. I, I, that's a great analogy. I love. It. Okay, <laughs> yeah, and it will tell you your your latency, your jitter, your yeah. max throughput, lost packets, your weight, your length, and so on. So then, now that we're past that part, the birth certificate has been issued. The service has been certified. At that point, is there ongoing testing after that to validate that the service can still deliver the amount of bandwidth? You know, some an implicit stress test. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. sure. So, so the second uh, phase of the service lifecycle will be the operational or monitoring phase. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you will not be blasting it with with a gigabit per second of bandwidth because that yeah. would be disturbing production services. But you could send a small amount of continuous packets to make sure that you have high availability and that you don't have any unexpected loss or jitter issues. And 
one objection to this is sometimes that this would consume all my network resources or all my bandwidth. But if you look at the gigabit link today, uh, a gigabit link can carry around 2 million packets per second. Hmm. You would send 10 packets per second, one packet every 100 millisecond. That would be a fraction of a fraction of the link capacity. It wouldn't have any practical impact on on your end-to-end capacity. So it's definitely affordable to do Active assurance yeah. also when the service is in production, carrying production traffic. Now, if we dig into like different TCP algorithms that are like BBR, that is uh, using round trip times to determine, kind of make an estimate as to what the maximum amount of throughput is they can put through a link. Do you do any magic like that where you're doing math on round trip times or anything to try to guesstimate throughput between endpoints? We collect all of the KPIs around how the link performs to, mm-hmm. to do such estimates, but, but we don't calculate or, or make a, a guess about right. that. But we give the, the hard fact that this is how the link performs. Got it. So it's, it's an abstraction. You don't have to stress test a link to prove that it is. You can measure it or you can interpret it from the available data. Right, yes. And I, I mean, there are some obvious things in here, but one of the ones that I just want to draw out is you can actually test MTU. One of the hardest things that used to be testable in a network link was MTU, especially when you cross multiple providers. If you go from SD-WAN to an MPLS, cross some sort of, sometimes your MTU gets a bit weird, but you can you can automate that. Yeah, so that that's actually one of the first things we recommend uh, uh, customers to test. Make sure that you have correct MTU. Make sure that where you connect, you get the interface MTU that matches what you expect, and then test that that interface MTU is actually functional for TCP and UDP traffic and to end across all your different domains and your service providers. I've had problems where MTU changed in the middle of a day and <laughs> things broke. So actually, yeah. being able to automate a small test like that is reasonable yeah and 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 uh, in theory you could test the mtu every second of the day because it's just one packet right so it's a, it's a 1500 byte packet being sent once per second and you have a guarantee so of could i do something MTU. like send a fifth like actually send a sweep to validate the max of, like if i'm into the troubleshooting mode is there something to help me there yeah so so we we do a binary search to identify what is the maximum mtu end to end right um but, but in, in theory, you could also do a sweep if that is helpful to you, if you think that a certain MTU would be dropped. Jonas, Paragon Active Assurance, net, net rounds, uh, was acquired by Juniper. Does that mean this works best in a Juniper environment? Uh, or is this still going to be a multi-vendor tool? So NetRounds has always been a software product. Uh, we run on generic x86 compute, and we run on IP networks. So there is no strict uh, requirement to run on a Juniper network. And, and that is actually part of the value proposition to run on all kinds of networks, regardless of how it's implemented, because we're supposed to be uh, vendor neutral and uh, technology neutral. Also, it could be an overlay uh, Kubernetes network, or it could be a, a layer two um, um, VPN between two uh, locations in a uh, service provider network. Mm. Yeah, that, that's the context that, that this conversation has been in. It, we're really validating a transport, you know, what's happening end-to-end underneath, and not like we're probing at this specific piece of hardware with this ASIC and querying these things. It's uh, right. So so vendor neutrality kind of makes sense here that that's how that would go. Um, 
you know, there may be some advantages with things like, can I run my test agent on this particular switch? I can see that maybe having some some special magic, but uh, you know, but but beyond that, the function of the testing as multi vendor makes makes a lot of sense. Now that said, Jonas, um, there is some synergy benefit, I guess, now that NetRounds is part of Juniper. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we are looking into how we can make more optimal integrations and how we can benefit from having Juniper hardware in the network. One obvious example would be to have a test agent running on Juniper routers. Mm. So that is something that we we, uh, are looking into as we speak. And then, of course, when we run on a Juniper hardware, we can take responsibility for that we will be able to measure with a certain accuracy up to a certain capacity and so on. But when you run on a generic computer device, you always have uh, some degree of uncertainty around what is the maximum throughput you will be able to get on this yeah. random unknown device? I've already so far ahead. If I'm using active monitoring, I'm not too worried about the uncertainty that I <laughs> <laughs> don't overdo that. <laughs> I've gone from nothing to something, and now you're worried about 5% inaccuracy during to the uncertainty. I think that's a bit of a thing. So, Peter, a couple of times we've actually talked about Anuta Adam as a part of the portfolio here. Um, can you sort of outline how Anuta Adam and the wider Paragon portfolio comes together? Yeah, so um, let's talk about Paragon um, uh, Automation at large. Um, Paragon Automation is uh, this product family that we have launched that will consist of Netrons. Netrons um, called um, Paragon Active Assurance, as we alluded to in this podcast so far. Um, it's going to consist of uh, Anuta Networks Atom, not renamed, but still part of the overall portfolio. And it will have Paragon Planner, Paragon Pathfinder for our planning and SDN um, automation solutions and Paragon Insights. That's where we're taking the telemetry data and doing the ML-based analytics on top. So this is kind of the overall summary for the Paragon automation portfolio of which Anuta is a part. Overall, the intention is to make people aware that we are you know, really doubling down on investment in automation. As you can see as a proof point, you see the acquisition, but also uh, some of the assets that we had before, we're basically redoing them, putting them on into a, a cloud-native container-based runtime and mm-hmm. launching them as part of the product uh, portfolio. Right. So this is a rebranding or a transition for the portfolio. Now, one of the this is I think this is welcome. If I put on analyst hat, move away from you know technology hat and put on the analyst hat. It's sort of refreshing the portfolio to bring the pieces together that make sense when they work together. So now I have, we talked about the service assurance lifecycle. And so now I've got Paragon Planner, which is the North Star, which does the routing and the device configuration, the operational side and the device operations. I'm going to bring in Paragon Insights, which is HealthBot, which is device health. So that ability to monitor a router and know if that router is performing that it's not got some sort of internal and also to monitor uh, packets flowing across the device, I think is perhaps a loose description, much more. And those two things are very much device-centric or very network-centric. And then you've got Anuta Atom, which is a partnership, which does the strategic part of service orchestration across multi-vendors, multiple paths, multiple parties. And they've got quite a strong story in that. And then the key technology that we talked about today, Paragon Active Assurance, which is the NetRounds acquisition with this active probing technology, which closes the loop on the automation. So now you go, 
I'm getting I'm getting over this birth certificate idea because I'm quite fond of that. <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> Hi, I just birthed the service and then I checked it's got 10 toes, 10 fingers, and that it's healthy. And yes, the service is fit and ready to go. So I quite like that idea. And so from an analyst's point of view, this seems this really sort of like brings it all together into a unified, whereas before it was always sort of like these parts were a little bit standalone. They didn't have this unified right. pitch. So I think this is this is a welcome transition. Yeah. And it's it's not only branding. It's also a whole lot of work that we're putting into that, containerizing it, and also providing new out-of-the-box, you know, um, single pane of glass experience. And the important bit, bit is a lot of use cases that we're working on that will inc- implement the closed-loop facilities around um, all of those products. Well, on that note, unfortunately, we have run out of time to continue on for today. Thanks so much to Peter Weinberger for joining us today and Jonas for coming on and talking about the details of the the Juniper Paragon portfolio. If you want more information about this, head on over to juniper.net slash automation. There's a whole range of details there outlining the products and you can get more information. Of course, don't forget to harass your Juniper sales rep if you want to get some more information and don't hesitate to tell them that you heard about it on this podcast at the Packet Pushers. An interesting thing that I do want to call out here is that Juniper Cloud Labs, these are online labs that you can get access to. Juniper spent quite a bit of money making a lot of virtual access to stuff virtual products, virtual services as part of its training, but they're also making these products available in the Juniper Cloud Labs. You can register and start to use those for labs to set it up and to have a look. And you can also apply to Juniper for an on-prem trial access. So you can actually get the software, bring it out, put it out. There'll be a registration page taking you all of those, and there'll be a link in the show notes if you head on over to packetpushes.net. And along with this show, you can find this and many other fine free technical podcasts and our community website at packetpushes.net. If you want to find out more, don't hesitate to follow us on Twitter. We're also on LinkedIn. We have a page there where you can follow all the shows that we publish and rate us on Apple Podcasts. That does ever so much help us if you wouldn't mind. And last but never least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.